0: everybody we're back with another episode of midnight on earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we are here to bring you more knowledge, more lights, more love. We have an amazing guest today. I'm super excited to have Virginia Hummel on the show. She wrote a book orbs in the afterlife. And of course, cracking the grief code, She's an incredible lady with an incredible story. We're going to talk about orbs. But first, I need you to do something for me. Go to Blue Cobra CBD. That's bluecobracbd.com and check out Howard Hit, AKA Big H's Blue Cobra CBD oil. It's the highest quality CBD oil that's available for purchase. I highly recommend it. It's an incredible oil that is 100% organic, and the CBD is derived from 100% organic Oregon-grown hemp. This is unlike any other CBD oil product that's available because the extraction method is a proprietary method that was developed by Big H called the HIT extraction method. This method involves no chemicals, no solvents, no gases. There really is nothing else like it on the market. Other CBD products use fluorocarbon based extraction, which is terrible. There are other companies out there and there's enough CBD products now in 2021 to fill multiple grocery stores. So I did the filtering for you. I have been aware or involved with the hemp cannabis and CBD industry for a really long time. And you can see we've had some great cannabis related guests on the show. And I know exactly what I'm talking about. I know about the differences between distillate and isolate and how these things are being extracted. There really is nothing else like the hit extraction method. When you understand that you'll understand why this product is so special. And we have a Blue Cobra CBD Midnight on Earth discount code. And that code is M-I-D-C-B-D. That's M-I-D-C-B-D. And what that does is that gives you free shipping. When you go to check out, there is a discount code box that you can plug that discount code into. And you will get free shipping on any order. One bottle 10 bottles, 100 bottles, of course, every product that's sold on the bluecobracbd.com website is backed by big H's 100% money back guarantee. So if for some reason you're dissatisfied with the product, I'm not really sure why you would be. It's kind of strange. I I I it's outside of my realm of understanding. However, if that is the case for you, then you get All your money back, including shipping, and you can keep the product, give it to somebody else. They're going to be excited about it and they're going to want that discount code. Unfortunately, though, that discount code does only apply to the continental 48 states. It does not apply to international orders either. So if you are an international listener and you are interested in this and you want to know more about it, of course, go to the website first. But then you can contact uh, Howard Hit directly via email or the telephone number provided on the website. And you can contact Howard and ask him directly, talk to him directly about these products and if your country and your country's laws correlate with what his product is. And again, this is a product that I use daily. I put it in my morning shank because you can put it In your body, of course, you can put it on your body. It is topical if you have muscle aches, things like that. You can apply that externally, and you will receive the benefits. So please, everyone, please go check it out. BlueCobraCBD.com. That's BlueCobraCBD.com. Follow me on Instagram at Midnight underscore on underscore earth that's the address if you go there click the follow button it connects us so you know what these guests are trying to get out to the world you can follow us on spotify apple Podcasts, and google Podcasts, stitcher wherever you go to get your podcast click that button that connects us so you know when the next episode is going to drop you know Whatever we're doing, you know about it instantly. And, of course, the most important thing is to please tell a friend, tell someone that you know that likes these type of podcasts that would love to know about orbs and healing through spiritually transformative experiences, which is what we're going to talk about. Tell those people you know them well. Midnightonearth.com. Well, I told you about Blue Cobra CBD. And we're going to talk to Virginia in just a second, but first, as always, I have to read her bio. So here we go. Virginia Hummel is the author of four books on the afterlife and co-producer of an upcoming documentary on healing grief through spiritually transformative experiences, or STEs. Her deepest hope is to help guide others on a spiritual path to transmute pain loss, and grief into personal growth and empowerment. She is a lifelong student of metaphysical, spiritual, and after-death subjects. With the death of her youngest son, Christopher, she experienced a series of spontaneous spiritual events that helped transform her grief and find a place of balance and joy. Virginia has been a researcher an experiencer of the orb phenomenon for over a decade. She is chairman of Orb Encounters at Eternia.org, whose mission is to advance research, education, and applied programs concerning the physics of consciousness and the interactive relationship between consciousness and physical reality. Yeah, wow. Mind and matter. It's just amazing. She is the creator of OrbWhisperer.com, a website dedicated to the research, education, and exploration of the orb phenomenon, and VirginiaHummel.com, dedicated to healing grief through spiritually transformative experiences, STEs, and she's here with us today. Hello, Virginia. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Hey, Jake. How are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for coming on the show. I'm very interested in orbs. I'm also interested in healing through STEs and turns out you put those things together <laughs> and here you are.
1: And here I am. <laughs> Gosh, thank you. Thank you so much for thinking of me and of this topic because m- most people um, have a hard time with it actually.
0: Well, the orb phenomenon I remember began. It seems like, For me, it came into my consciousness in the digital camera age where people were taking these photos with digital cameras and they were seeing these kind of anomalies that were these like light balls. And they could have been things like dust particles, like maybe some people have claimed. But in other cases, they seem to have strange organization that seem to indicate something more than just dust particles. But really the orb phenomenon has been around since earlier than that, as you recounted in your book. But when did this first come into your consciousness? When did you first discover orbs?
1: Well, my daughter growing up would always tell me she would see these little balls of light. And as a parent, you want to believe your child, but you're also a little skeptical about what's going on. And I humored her and I said, okay. And she would describe them to me and I really didn't pay attention. You know, you're busy being a parent and doing all sorts of things. But what got my attention was 20 months after the death of my son, I got up in the middle of the night to turn off the air conditioning. And when I came back into my darkened room, there was this brilliant ball of light about the size of a ping pong ball hovering three feet down from the ceiling, about three feet out from the wall. And I saw it, and I was startled, and it appeared to be startled also. It suddenly darted to my left, took a sharp left turn, like an L-shape, and went about five, six feet and disappeared, but it left a trail of light, like you would uh, circle a sparkler on 4th of July. And I'm like, what was that? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. There has to be a burglar outside with a flashlight, right? Your brain just can't comprehend this. So I... Jumped in bed and thought about it and thought about it. I go, wait a minute, I have blackout shades. There's just no way any light could come in. And Talked to a girlfriend the next day, and she said that was a light being. And I said, well, what's a light being? And she said, well, it can be a soul, a person, and an ET. There's just different things. She said, but the International Conference of Orbs and Light Being is being held in Palm Springs in two weeks maybe you want to go to that. (laughs) So I, I said, you mean, I started laughing. I mean, there's actually a conference that that talks about orbs and light beings.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Little did you know there was an orb convention?
1: (laughs) I did not know that there was an orb convention. Anyway, that really kind of sent me on a journey to start researching. And then I started, uh, I grabbed my camera and I started taking pictures, trying to discover What was dust? What was lens flare? What was really an orb? And wow, is all I can say. What an adventure it's been.
0: Yeah, and you've been taking uh, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of photos at this point of orbs, right?
1: Yes, and um, infrared video, as much, trying to gather as much information as I possibly could so I could decipher what is an orb, what isn't an orb, what's real, what looks like an orb, but could be a hair on the lens or uh, light diffraction, all sorts of different things. And it takes a while to kind of figure it out, but eventually you get there. The cool thing was, is the more I thought about them, the more excited I became and the more would appear. Right.
0: And Yeah. I did notice that in your book. I actually read your book uh, for people that are listening. It's it's an incredible book. I, I read it over the last few days. And yes, that is something you talked about. It did expand for you as your consciousness and awareness of the orbs expanded. It was really fascinating.
1: It, it was fascinating. And, and uh, the first time I started taking pictures, I was just getting uh, the white or the milky white orbs. And I called my daughter. I said, there's things in my camera. What are they? She goes, Well, mom, did you get in any in, in color yet? And I said, What? They come in colors? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so I, I ran outside and immediately outside I got a beautiful gold one and a blue one. And I was, I was hooked. It was absolutely incredible. And to find, eventually find faces in them or take photos of someone who's talking about a loved one who has passed. And there's a big orb right next to them. I mean, it just it was profoundly healing for so many people to see that when they've been grieving so much and they know they want to know, they want some sort of validation that their family member is still present on some level and to show them an orb picture of them right there next to them, or even with the face of their loved one in it was very, very powerful.
0: Yeah. Like on the cover of your book, it's, it's, it's actually very profound because what it does indicate for those people is there is a survival of consciousness after death. And then that gives them the comfort. It seems like we lost that, that awareness as human beings. We kind of knew that we survived after death for probably thousands of years. Uh, collectively, we believed that, but somehow through certain developments in culture and religion and politics, we lost sight of the fact that we do Survive after death, and we need that validation.
1: It's, I mean, it, it's amazing what um, you just reminded me of a story. I'm just going to jump ahead a little yeah, bit. Yeah, go
0: ahead. No, we're having fun.
1: When you're when we're talking about does consciousness survive? A lot of my research once I got past, um, well, through orbs was you know how does consciousness survive? Is reincarnation real? Um, the people that kids that start talking about their past lives, is that real? Or is that something that they're making up? And there was a little boy um, in the in Golan Heights in Syria. There's a group of people that, that the whole, you know, I don't want to call them a tribe, but they believe in reincarnation. So they listen to the children when they start talking. They look for birthmarks and all sorts of things on their body to try to discover who this child was in a past life. And there was a little boy who, um, oh, he was about three, said he had been murdered and he lived in another village. And so the elders got him together. They went to the next village. He showed them where his body was buried Whoa. and where the axe that had...
0: Uh-oh, I think I lost you.
1: ...the old who murdered him, and the murderer eventually confessed. Oh, my God. So there's the most amazing stories, um, documented stories of reincarnation and and life after death, which just kind of brings the bigger picture of heaven and earth, God and Satan,
0: Well, it definitely gives us a glimpse of something bigger and acknowledges something more than just our normal three-dimensional experience. It really gives us this understanding that there is something outside of our normal, everyday perception of reality. So, Virginia, we know about orbs, like I said, in the mainstream because they started showing up in digital cameras. It seemed like in the beginning of the 2000s, 2003, four, five, six, as the technology started to increase, the costs came down and then everyone had a digital camera. And this is before they yeah. were common in cell phones. And yeah. they, they really started to explode because they were showing up in everybody's digital photos all over the world, all mm-hmm. over the world. And I can think of dozens of uh, orb photos that I took at concerts, concerts, For instance, at a reggae concert where there was uh, a stage and 3,000 people, and it was very spiritual music, and there was a lot of love in the air and really good energy, and we took a photo, and there were thousands of orbs of all shapes and sizes across the crowd. They've been in people's personal photos, but really, Mm -hmm. they've been in photos even earlier than that. Can you tell me about that a little bit?
1: Well, there was a a photo… in the botanical gardens back in around the 1900s and someone, you know, the cameras back there were, they were just basically beginning very uh, simplistic cameras and uh, they caught a huge orb floating through this botanical garden and which is really interesting. And when I look back, even in my 35 millimeter photos I had taken, or just your instant, the ones where you had to have the film developed Uh I've even seen orbs in those photos, but I didn't realize it at the time because I think our brain blocks out a lot of the extraneous stuff that we're just not paying attention to. And once you realize that there's orbs and orbs in photos, you can go back and look at your old um, photographs that you had to have printed and actually discover orbs in those photographs.
0: I was noticing something, though, and I wanted you to comment on this. I I noticed that there was a pretty steep decline in digital orb photos as the technology developed. Probably around 2009, 10, 11, I really stopped seeing the amount of orb photos as prevalently and as widespread as they were before. Do you think that somehow they engineered the technology in such a way to stop people from capturing those orb photos
1: i don't i'm not sure that that would be the answer you might consider that maybe people just it was a phase everybody was going through everybody was excited about them now they're on to the next thing
0: so because Um, people were aware of them they showed up more and then the the they started to taper off so people's awareness tapered off so then they didn't show up as much
1: i know i think that they're there the orbs are here they've always been here again we have to put up our spiritual radar and feel them and see them and actually want to uh, photograph them i think just collectively people who are interested in orbs you know we all go in, in in cycles of oh we're interested in this and then the next thing comes out and we're interested in that it's quite possible that people lost interest and stopped taking the amount of orb photos that they did in the beginning when it was a new thing, when it was a, you know, uh, a new concept. And maybe the excitement wore off. I'm not sure that the, the cam- camera manufacturers built anything in to block that out. But I could be completely wrong on that.
0: It seems like it does awaken people. I guess that's where my uh, conspiracy theory mind comes into play because when you Oh, I
1: got one of those too. <laughs> yeah,
0: so when you see, you know, like the beautiful picture of the Buddhist monk that had the orb on his third eye and it's so inspiring to see that it, it activates you, it awakens you. So it, you know, my mm-hmm. conspiracy theory mind makes you know, makes me feel like, oh, well they don't want people awakened in a general sense. You know, they just want people consuming. So they they'll they're doing everything in their power to filter out these spiritual experiences. I guess that's where I was going with that.
1: I I hear you, and I would not put them past it, frankly. But you know, God is way more powerful than anything yes. else, and yes. wins in the end. And I know when we, when we authentically, from our heart space, need a miracle or we need a something that is um, that just awaken us or a connection to know that we're not alone. It will happen. It does happen. And so, when we stop seeking, I think we stop seeing. And I, I think it might not be any more complicated than that, but mm. um, there's well, that definitely people out there that are trying to suppress a lot of this connection to uh, God and our Heavenly Father. And and the, the, the power that comes with that connection. I know. That would be something that would be they would want to stifle.
0: Yes. For sure. Because that keeps people in that consumer very limited life mindset. You unite with the creator and you're tapping into a whole other energy field, you could say.
1: Absolutely. You know, when I was about um eight or nine, my mom had taken me to Christian science church and I sat there and I listened to this sermon and I was not impressed. And as I left, I can remember telling them, you know, Jesus said we could do everything he could do and more. Right. And I'm like, wow, you know, do you you know the things that he did? And he's saying we could do that and more. You guys, I need to know more about this. And they all looked at me like I was crazy. (laughs) And, you know, I was just like, okay, they're not the people I need to be talking to because there's something amazing about him. And what he can do and what God can do. And the fact that I was, that spirit and God allowed me to have a connection with my son to help me through that whole, the trauma of losing him and the grief and the miracles and the things that went on were were so awe-inspiring that in the midst of deep grief, I felt joy and comfort and peace. So there's a, there's good out there and we just need to tune into it. However, it works for you. I think that's just really important, especially in today's world and all the nonsense that's going on.
0: Right. And with your son, I mean, it was an indicator for you that the soul does survive and that orbs in general, you feel like can be physical manifestations of the soul or some sort of conscious energy, but is it always that way?
1: Well, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And I would love to give you a definitive answer, but what my experience has led me to believe is that not only can our loved ones show up as orbs, we can have entities from different dimensions, we can have ETs, we can have demonic entities, (sighs) all, I think, the gambit And for me personally, I was very clear, very adamant, and I drew very strong boundaries about what I would let in my presence and what I wouldn't. And I think anybody that is dealing with the occult or uh, taking orb photos, whether you're doing um, tarot card reading or any psychic stuff, you have to be very clear where you stand, whose side you're standing on and who's got your back. And I I just want to reiterate that very strongly.
0: So you blocked all that out and only allowed the loving light orbs in your personal world.
1: Right. And I would say uh, only that which is of the highest light, love and intention from God is allowed in my space, period. That's just how it's going to be. And I was very fortunate to get amazing photos, have amazing experiences, um, there were a couple of questionable photos, <laughs> um, uh, that, but for the, for the most part, 99.9% of the time, it was very good and loving and very uplifting.
0: Interesting. Well, I guess, uh, that could segue into a little bit of what I sent you in, uh, email. I personally took some orb photos from a friend of mine who is dealing with bipolar, paranoid, schizophrenia, and he was showing signs of what Archbishop James Cloud determined was demonic possession. And uh, I was able to go into his bedroom where I always felt a presence by the window, and he seemed to be tortured in that room. He'd have time displacement and other issues, torment, uh, voices, all in this bedroom space. And I took a very brief photo from a 2006 digital camera and uh i got what seemed to be some sort of alien orb or some sort of darker orb and i i emailed these over to virginia because of course i wanted her to comment on those so what do you think virginia
1: well in looking at the photo i only saw one the photo uh was actually looked like it was a little bit of a double exposure
0: it was a little um, blurry
1: a, a little blurred so the the object i was looking at was on the curtain in the back is yes. that is that the yes. one
0: we're talking about correct
1: okay and it looks like a face uh, face to me i didn't see any other orbs just probably because of the nature of the photograph. In there?
0: Yeah, that was really um, the one that we were uh, okay. wondering it's about.
1: The one you were talking about. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I didn't personally feel anything one way or the other, but what you mentioned in your email to me was a cold spot. Yes. And cold spots are very, uh, very definitely a um, a spirit that's in the room, uh, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent that I can't tell you. But if your friend is having a really hard time, he should consider moving or having that space cleaned or cleared. Um, And you certainly can be possessed demonically. There was a story in the Bible about this one man who was possessed by demons and the villagers came to ask Jesus to help him and Jesus came and cast out the demons into a little herd of pigs yes. that were right there, right, and then sent the pigs in the water to be drowned, and the demons were gone, and the man was totally fine. It was, just, and that news spread everywhere of the of Jesus's ability to do that. But certainly, we have, we have good, you know, the demons. We have angels. We have good souls. We have bad souls. We have all sorts of stuff. And I'm very sorry to hear your friend no suffering from that
0: it's fine it's 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 a terrible situation but that orb did just kind of spook me and i had a phone conversation with a woman named hope mead who helped to produce a documentary called orbs the veil is lifting i don't know if you've ever seen Mm -hmm. that one yes
1: Um,
0: yes and she said that she had a similar situation where there was a person that was demonically possessed supposedly and they captured some photos in that person's space that seemed to show demonic faces in orbs. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. said she was going to include that in the documentary, but then decided at the last second to cut it because they wanted to just maintain the the loving presence of orbs and, and what that meant and all the good things and didn't want to put any energy into that. So she did have a similar experience. I thought that was interesting.
1: It is really interesting. And that's the same thing I struggled with in writing my uh, books and and website and talking about orbs is how much do you include or how much do you edit? Um, And I really wanted people to have a good experience, but I also encourage them to be very specific about what they want around them.
0: And, and I think that the creator, God responds when you ask for protection, when you ask for shielding, for white light to come and shield you, you ask Jesus to be there with you, to protect you from these entities, Mm -hmm. a hundred percent of the time it works. Would you say that's correct?
1: I would say absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, there's a reason why they, they talk about this type of thing in the Bible is to, you know, basically pick your side and stick with it and to not dabble in all of that, just because you do open up the energy to receive things that might not be that much fun. Yeah. And stuff and that, I'm just
0: saying, that can scare the heck out of yeah, you. Right. Totally. And you don't really need to deal with, because really at this stage in human development, we really need to be focusing on personal growth, personal development, and integrating this spiritual knowledge, not really focusing on anything negative that, that could bring us down.
1: Mm-hmm. That's that's true, and a lot of people. I I think I think everybody is searching. They 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 don't know what they're searching for. Some of us have you know grown up in religion and we rebelled because it was too confining and too restrictive, and we just didn't understand it. It didn't, you know, it didn't make it fun and exciting. I mean, when I think of of Jesus, I'm like the man was incredible. Not only was he incredible, he was unconditionally loving and non-judgmental. Right. And that that was something that I had to struggle with all my life, knowing that, but but to be led through all of these other religions, you know, Catholic girls' boarding school and you know, yada yada, where you're your whole idea of what we know when we come from the other side, that love and that light and that, that, that amazing um, energy to be skewed here on earth. And so a lot of us, I think become lost and we find ourselves dabbling in the occult and all sorts of Satanism and all sorts of different things because we're searching, we're, we're trying to find our way home. Yes. And, and I think that the more that we can do as individuals, to you know kind of clear the path and help others find their way home but to the right home to the to the right to our rightful place which to me personally is god and jesus and heaven and that loving energy is where i know i came from and i want to get back there so i hope that I can become a loving, kind, compassionate person. You are and help
0: others on their journey. I don't think but, you are becoming, you're there. You're 100% there. Well, I mean, you. It's obvious in your books, your energy, your attitude, you're, you're there and you're doing the, the work, which is being in a leadership role and emitting that frequency of Christ, the Christ consciousness. Some people say the Christ consciousness was really just love, just love. You're mm-hmm. emitting, Love mm-hmm. and, I, and and we did talk to uh, Jacqueline Small last episode about the Gnostic Jesus and the esoteric meanings and some of the hidden books of the Bible that were removed. And, and that's fascinating as well. The whole other side mm-hmm. of the Jesus story.
1: I mean, when you want to get into somebody who was the true magician that could bring people back to life and heal and part the oceans, for goodness sakes, I mean— Wow, is all I can say. I would really like to be able to do that.
0: Well, you can't, as, as uh, what Jesus you know? says. Right, Jesus? <laughs> right. So, but I do, you know, I love talking about this, but I do want to get back to orbs a little bit. So you think in your book that they could also be made out of uh, subtle energy or plasma? Can you elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Well, there's two theories. The subtle energy is the pre uh, the the chi the prana the life force the bio force that type of energy, and then they also um, the the um, or project with uh, Klaus Heinemann and Mihal Ledwith. They talked about the plasma energy, um, and we don't we honestly don't know. We know it's some sort of a light energy. Um, I have stories of people touching them. I've touched it and I can't, wasn't able to feel hot, cold, indifferent. All I know, it was a light, um, a light energy that was, that's there. So I don't think we really know one way or the other, if it's plasma or subtle energy, and it could very well be a combination of both of those. Mm. Now, did you read? the story of the one that showed up in the middle of the night on my chest
0: yes I did and there is photos of that isn't there
1: um, no photos of that one but um, that was really interesting I was I was having a very bad dream in fact I was having a dream where I was standing in front of, of Satan and it was literally yes. terrifying I know who was on the, my backside who had my backside. But suddenly I was pulled out of that dream and awakened and sitting on my chest was an orb about the size of a volleyball. And I was like, wow, am I really seeing this? Is it really here? And I you know, would check the ambient light from the keypad on my alarm in my bedroom and look back to this. And yes, there was absolutely an orb sitting on my chest. But as my chest rose and fell from my breath, the sheets didn't go, kind of passed through it. It, it didn't move it, and eventually I ran my hand down it like I, you would be squishing a balloon from the top, you know, just Whoa. like a karate chopping, and my hand passed right through it, and it was, I did that twice, and I go, wow, I mean, this is amazing. It had this rim around it and um, kind of clear inside. I felt it was more of a, a masculine energy than a feminine energy, and that it was, watching me and that it had pulled me from that dream for my own benefit. And after a few, you know, I don't know, probably a minute and a half of looking at it, I just fell back asleep. Who does that? Who would fall asleep (laughs) with an orb on their chest? Seriously. I was like the next morning, did I really just fall back to sleep? And I realized it put me to sleep.
0: Right. So
1: I, my experience with, that particular orb i could not feel anything there was there were i wanted to call them like fish but there weren't fish inside it looked like neon dimmed neon colored play-doh worms or something swimming inside of it it was definitely living but not in my dimension and i could i could see it but it wasn't in my third dimension so i've seen Balls of light that are super bright, and you think that if you would touch them, they would be hot or you know, burning hot, but there's no temperature to them. So that leads me to believe that maybe it's not a plasma subtype of plasma, but it is a subtle energy that we're seeing.
0: Interesting, and that also brings the point up that some people can see them without cameras, they can visually see them like you did earlier in your life, and then here in this nightmare scenario. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. you can see them without cameras it's it's not just this camera-based phenomena
1: right and i had a lot of in putting my um book together i had a lot of emails from parents talking about their children who could see these colored balls of light floating around and i think what is the norm kids see them so they assume that adults see them and some will say things and others will not say anything and i've known kids that will never say anything and they'll grow up and they'll still be able to see them i've only seen them on on a few occasions with my eyes i can generally feel when they come into the room and that's when i know to pick up my camera and get the photograph so i can feel the person or the spirit the soul, something move into the room, but it feels good. It's not a scary something, or I probably wouldn't take the picture.
0: Right. And children, like you're (laughs) saying, do have an increased sensitivity to it.
1: Yes. And, and, you know, Jake, when, when babies are born, they are fresh from spirit. They are fresh from the face of God. They still have that, Connection. The veil is open; it has not closed, and we look at infants. Well, I, I say, general population looks at infants as if their brain is, there's nothing in their brain, and they don't know anything. When in fact, they know everything. It's unbelievable. I, um, I'm going to digress and tell you a really quick story. Oh yeah, go ahead about my granddaughter. So when my son died, um, in the six, six seven years since he had been gone. We had five different mediums come to my daughter and I and tell us that my son was going to reincarnate through my daughter. <clears throat> and I thought it was interesting, but I was just going to stand back and watch. And in fact, the um, Kristen's first daughter, Brooklyn, is my son. And it was the most unbelievable experience to watch this circle of life. So she was born and I got to hold her about 12 hours. Well, as they were wheeling her in the bassinet to the room, her eyes were wide open. And I stopped to look at her and she looked at me and I knew this soul. I didn't look at her and go, "Oh, that's Chris. But there was a familiarity there that, you know, if you've ever run into some, uh, a stranger and go, I I know you, I know
0: you feel that presence.
1: Yes. And, and so then about 12 hours later, I finally got to hold her and I'm patting her on my shoulder and telling her how much I love her. And I said, you know, I can't wait to hear your stories from the other side about God and Jesus, the ascended masters. Suddenly, She lifts her head off of my shoulder, leans back, and turns and looks me straight in the eye. Like, you do know I can't talk yet, right? But, wow, did you really ask me that question? And there's no, I mean, I've held babies. I've had four of my own children. Babies don't do that. So, about two weeks later, I I was holding her again. I said the same thing. She lifted her head up and turned and looked right at me. (laughs) Again, the same thing. So as this little girl started to grow, I mean, I was just like blown away. So as she started to grow, she was about nine months. And there's a photo on the wall of my son and daughter in the bathroom. And her mom was carrying her out. And the baby grabbed back in and just stared at the picture for a minute. And my daughter thought, pointed to my son in the picture babbling. Then she would look at her dad babbling and point to the ceiling and look up at the ceiling, point to my son, blah, 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 dad, dad, blah, blah, blah. You know, she couldn't really talk. She's just babbling at nine months and then point back up to the ceiling. And Jeff was completely blown away by this. Like, wow, is she just telling me that she either met Chris up in heaven or she knows Chris? Very unusual for a, a, a child to do that. Yeah. So then she gets, then she gets a little bigger. Oh, whenever she would see me, she would say mama. And then Kristen goes, no, that's not mama. That's Grammy. So she would always call me mama. Whoa!
0: And then uh,
1: she's about two and a half half or three. And she's standing in the closet with her mom and she's going through her mom's jewelry. She picks up a necklace and says, I want to give this to my mom. Now, Kristen's like. Well, I'm your mom. (laughs) But she didn't say anything. And then Brooklyn corrected herself. She said, well, Grammy was, well, Kristen said, who's your mom? And she said, well, Grammy was my mom before you were my mom. Whoa. So now we're like, okay, wow, right? So Chris, (laughs) before my son died, and, and Logan was five years old when he passed away. and. By the time Brooklyn saw Logan, Logan was is grown up now. He's probably about 12 or 15, maybe. And Logan comes walking into the bedroom, and Brooklyn just kind of puts her hands on her hips and cocks her head and looks at him and said, Logan's a big boy now. Now, what three-year-old's going to say that? It just didn't make sense. And then the whole week while Logan was there, she, she kept saying, the baby kept saying, Logan's my daddy. Well, I'm thinking she was trying to say I was Logan's daddy. It's just really, really. interesting. Oh
0: well, it sounds like you have your own story, like that story from India. That's because, you know, the reincarnation happened in your own family.
1: Exactly. So there's one more point, one more experience that I want to share with. you. Oh, yeah, this. of course. Go ahead. I go ahead and take them. Uh, she and her brother to the park. And I'm up in Ketchum, Idaho, and I lived there when Chris was alive and his sister, Kristen. And Chris had gone to elementary school at this park down from my house. And Brooklyn had never been there with her brother. She would just never been there. So I'm strolling in a little stroller. We get close to the park, and suddenly Brooklyn goes, Grammy, Grammy, I I used to play here with my friend Johnny. Uh... And I'm like, what did you just say? Chris's best friend was Johnny Wilkins. Whoa. Brooklyn has no friends named Johnny. There's nobody in the family named Johnny. It was, it's just unbelievable. And I guess the point I'm trying to make to your listeners, there is so much more that we can't even comprehend. We we just really can't. And my my wish through all of my experiences was to let people know that there is so much more that we don't die that our loved ones that are gone are just gone they've stepped out of their uh, physical body and they're still there and hopefully they're in a a better place you know we we all want that i think so Uh, yeah we do um but it's just amazing life's just amazing it just blows me away all the time
0: but that's part of the purpose of the orbs is to let us know that there is that continuation there are those beings on the other side especially when i think about the photo in your book of the native american in the redwood grove and it's so
1: oh wasn't that spectacular
0: (sighs) that was mind-blowing i used to live in southern humboldt county in the redwoods and I, I might have even been to that where that picture was taken, and to see such a distinctly Native American face in the orb, I urge everyone to go check this book out. You know, you can. There's even a Kindle version, and uh, you can see this face, this clear Native American in a redwood grove. It, it's in the orb. You can see the face of a, clearly a Native American. It's it's mind blowing. But there are some sort of biochemical foundation which potentially could trigger the interaction with orbs. And I and I want to talk to you about this more because you had a whole chapter in your book. I wasn't expecting this, to be completely honest. I was not expecting uh, a whole chapter on DMT and how DMT plays a vital role in experiencing orbs and also healing through these spiritually transformative experiences. Can you tell me about that a little bit? Well, my research
1: um, led me to DMT and the vibrations that they that the um, participants talked about. Because during my grief journey, I was either deep in grief or I was feeling this rush of energy through me, like uh, a vibration, and like I was floating in champagne. But there's a vibration. You know, if you've ever sit on a been in an airplane on the end of the runway, and the uh, pilot revs the engines up before he releases the brakes, <laughs> and you feel that that shot. that's the feeling this, like you're going to get shot out into the universe. And I kept feeling this, and I wondered, you know, when we talk about the pineal gland and how that, this little pine-shaped pine sh- gland could possibly be the center or the seat of our soul and our ability to connect with with God and where we have come from. And as I was researching the DMT and, and reading about the participants' experiences through this, I go, wow, that sounds a lot like mine. But what I also realized, there were near-death, I, I wondered about the near-death experience. So could mine my experience just have kind of revved up the booster rockets? But in order to have a near-death experience, that's when they really get shot out in the universe. And that this DMT is something that through, you know, whether you do meditation or whether you visualize um, or whether you raise your vibration and somehow it allows us to connect with the divine. And that's what I just thought that was so interesting Because so many um, near-death experiencers have these descriptions of like being shot out and the vibrations and different things. So it was it was an interesting research um, idea that I tried to expand on that chapter.
0: It seemed to correlate with everything that you were talking about. And you said that DMT is the biological foundation of spiritually transformative experiences. But you talked about them always in a very natural sense, uh, accessing them through meditation or in sadder situations through extreme grief or stress. But have you ever tried the synthetic version, whether smoking it or, or the other methods that are out there because it is out there to try if it's, you know, it is available in the world.
1: You know, I have, I think I smoked a half a joint one time in my life and it just didn't didn't work for me. It just, I'm like, was so hungry. I'm like, this is not working. So the same thing with alcohol. I can drink, have one glass of wine, two, and I'm sound asleep. So I found I was able to have experiences on my own without any help. And it was mostly when I focused my mind on on doing so in choosing that, whether you make a vision board or whatever it is, if I want that experience to happen, I could actually create it without any outside influence. But have you had the opportunity to? Yes,
0: Yes, I have um, probably dozens of times in my life. um, I've tried the NNDMT and also the 5MAO DMT, which comes from the, colorado uh river toad the sonoran desert frog are you aware of that uh no so essentially there's a frog uh called the sonoran desert toad and it has glands on them they're big fat pussy glands they look like blisters and inside those blisters are pure liquid dmt and people it's mind-blowing and people for thousands of years of course native people but then it kind of became kind of a you know, kind of a commercialized thing, not really commercialized, but just kind of a mainstream thing to get these frogs and you milk the glands onto like a piece of glass or some piece of metal. And I don't recommend doing this people. This is just, you know, what people do. I'm just informing Virginia and they let that liquid dry. And then they, once it's dry, you can scrape it off the glass and then smoke that. And, and I've tried that. And that was an incredible experience. I had a simulated near-death experience where, you know, I had the rocket out of my body I'm interacting with. You don't really remember a lot of it when it's that intense, but, you know, you're interacting with angels. And what I do remember is them sending me back in that experience. I say, no, it's not your time. That's all I really remember. And my experiences with NNDMT which is not the kind that comes from the toad is completely different and that's where I've had the most experiences because uh, it's synthesized so it's more readily available and those experiences are the alien landscapes the tapestry reality the presence of the divine and and presence of the angels and just seeing these kind of like gnome like beings and and it's very, very surreal. And that's something completely different. And that's, that's kind of my experience with the synthetic form of DMT and the natural form, but just the external DMT.
1: Did, did those experiences where you were seeing the like ETs or the gnomes or what have you, was that like a lucid dream experience or was it no. different?
0: radically yeah. different because in lucid dream experiences I've had uh, it's almost like real like but in a surreal sense these were almost like if you could visualize uh, a form coming out of patterns and then taking on the outline of a being and then coming into form as a more detailed being but still part of the tapestry still made out of the jewels if that makes sense the, uh, <laughs> it's really hard to describe for anyone. It's very hard to put into words.
1: Well, you know, that's interesting. It rem- is it something similar? <clears throat> I'm sure you saw those pictures of the plasma veils or the subtle energy veils where there's mist and it's forming into a face or a, a shape or something that I have. In kind my of. Books.
0: Yes. Kind Would of. It yes.
1: Similar to that. Similar, to where-
0: similar, but more defined.
1: Okay. Okay. But very interesting.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll send you uh, some uh, visionary artwork. Actually, that has depictions of some of these things in a way that's very accurate. And and believe it or not, people actually uh, take DMT and and make music uh, that's supposed to synthesize with the DMT dimension. It's really interesting. There's an artist by the name of Tipper. Uh, His his full name is David Tipper, T-I-P-P-E-R, and all of his music is, in a sense, designed around the DMT experience. It's amazing.
1: Hmm, I'll I'll look that up.
0: Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it.
1: That's very interesting. Well, um, let me segue really quickly, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, go ahead. Um, There is a doctor, orthopedic surgeon from New York, I believe, and he had had a near-death experience. Um, was in a phone booth, struck by lightning, dead. He stepped up out of his body. And as he began to walk away from his body, he noticed his his own thinking it was his body changing. He became a three foot ball of light, um, a a big orb. And then there happened to be a nurse on, on site that brought him back to life and he was sucked back into his body. But when he came back, he had an insatiable appetite to learn how to play classical piano. Oh, yes. Yeah, he learned how to play it. And there was a song that would play over and over in his head. And if he didn't practice that day, it would just relentlessly torture him with this song. So when he was up talking, we were at a conference, I took a few orb pictures. And at the moment, he was telling the audience that he was relentlessly pestered by this song in his head that there was an orb attached to his head
0: oh i just
1: um i'm just i'm just wondering with the, with this dmt there's got to be some some sort of crossover or blending of of experiences maybe the dmt really takes you to one end to the the far left and and orbs are somewhere in the middle and there's a far right type of experience or something
0: well Um, it seems like uh, what you talked about in your book which is really amazing which is actually working to stimulate the dmt in your brain naturally perhaps that's a different experience so there is similarities to the the external dmt but yeah that maybe that that natural brain-based dmt allows for those beings to come in in a different way it allows you uh, connections to be made some sort of uh like a meeting point of of energies to transmit that i'm not sure
1: what i discovered um when i would raise my vibration just i have a song that i put on it it's called ain't no mountain high enough it's the tammy terrell one and the the moment that starts i just feel a rush in my body and it just lifts me up and i noticed that when i listen to that song And I feel that lifting power, that champagne feeling, that excitement. Yes, swimming in in champagne. Right, right. That's when I notice I began to touch the the other side more. I would have more spiritual events happen, more synchronicities, more. Um, almost as if my conscious, my conscious awareness was connecting to the soul consciousness of, uh, you know, of others at that same vibration or something. Um, but it's really interesting because in my books, I tell people to, in, in order to raise your vibration, do something, put on some music that gets you up and moving that you get really excited about it. You get in the moment and that's a great way to be able to lift and raise your vibration in order to begin to have these spiritual experiences. So you've chosen a chemical route and there's tons of other routes. Yes, you, I mean, right? That, that whoever's comfortable with it can choose their own route to get there. Well, there's but, also uh, the big
0: trend of ayahuasca, which is uh-huh. DMT in uh, natural liquid form. If well, you're you were,
1: braver than I am. Have you tried that?
0: No, that I'm going to be completely upfront and tell you that I did not try that. I'm to do it authentically. You have to go to a place like Peru and interact with a shaman and Mm -hmm. i just haven't had a period in my life to go do something like that
1: you know have you ever been on a vision quest
0: i mean i've had psychedelic
1: and that type of thing
0: not in a trip with traditional natives no
1: Mm -hmm. i went on a vision quest and there were 16 of us and we built this um this kind of a teepee tent type of thing that we all fit inside of and you bring in these hot rocks and everybody's got an instrument and you have 16 people who are not an orchestra we're just individuals that most of us don't even play an instrument there was something that would go on in there with the collective that as they started playing there was music coming out of there that you couldn't have taken those people with an instructor and said, you're going to play this, 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 and this, and at this beat, and at this time, and it's going to come out professionally sounding. It was the most incredible thing I have ever experienced. I mean, I I, I don't even have words for that. I wish we had had it recorded. I think there's so many amazing things out there, Jake. And I just want to thank you for Delving into all of this for everybody, all of these different little niches of information and spiritual awareness that's um, so helpful and enjoyable and a great, great place to learn more of what's available to us.
0: Well, I'm trying to just create this platform to bring all of these different schools of thought together so we can really manifest a new earth, a heaven on earth scenario. I feel like with people educating themselves and also just learning more personal development just growing as as humans we can figure out the pathways to unite and and really make earth the best possible place it can be where all of us are living together in love with each other with everything we need and and without conflict and and I feel like that that and, and also though I do want to point out that I would like to interject humor into it because people Mm -hmm. uh, talk about these divine experiences and it's always very serious. But I'd also like to point out that the divine experience can be fun and funny.
1: (laughs) Okay, so I might have a little funny story to share for you. It wasn't funny at the time. So I'm awakened at three o'clock in the morning, one evening, and I have a hard time going to sleep anyway. So I was a little irritated that they, whoever they were, were waking me up. And I felt this pressure to go outside three o'clock in the morning and take orb photos. I'm like, seriously, I do not want to get out of my warm bed and do this. So I argued with them for about 15 minutes and I finally got my coat on, went outside took about 30 or 40 photos and then fine, I'm done. And I went back inside and I'm flipping through the photos, deleting them, deleting them. Suddenly I see coming up from the backside of my swimming pool jacuzzi, a red orb with a plasma shield around it. And the first thing I thought of was the Starship Enterprise. (laughs) I'm like, are you kidding? You will not find a picture like this anywhere anywhere on the internet i have never seen one like this and in another photo i have it coming head on towards me the red orb with this white um you know like the starship enterprise has that bi- it's just the big round front yes on it and it goes with the back light the circle the, yes right, right it was just i was so excited and i'm like <laughs> i've got to tell somebody i'm like I don't know anybody well enough to call them at three o'clock in the morning and tell them I've taken a orb picture that looks like the story of the Enterprise.
0: <laughs> was that one in your book? I don't remember.
1: It is. Uh, yes, it is. Okay. It should be in my book. Okay. I yeah. kind of
0: remember that. And there were so many amazing pictures. And actually, one thing about your book that I thought was so astounding was that by the end of it, you've read over a hundred different people's stories. I think in different capacities Uh, and what they've shared, you know, in the various chapters, there's so many personal accounts, so many personal stories that validate the orb experience and also the spiritual experiences that come with it. I I felt like by the end of it, that I I hung out with like a hundred different people. It was pretty amazing.
1: Well, you know, it's amazing. There's so much information out there and I was so blessed this entire time. I was researching and writing my books That I could, I would get to a part in a chapter and I needed a specific picture. And all I had to do was look towards the ceiling and say, God, I really need a picture that looks like thus and so for this chapter right here. The next day it would be in my inbox from (laughs) the other side of the world. I am not joking. I'm not joking. Or I would get a phone call. I would get a phone call from family and I would have to stop writing, leave the house, get on a plane, go do whatever I needed to do. And in the interim between that trip and coming back, I would get the exact story or meet a person whose exact story needed to go in that exact spot in the book. It was unbelievable. It happened all the time. I I was just, I was truly blessed. And they were thousands of people from around the world that emailed me stories or called me or photos. And they were also generous to let me borrow their photos and put them in the book in order to, to move this whole orb phenomenon along. Jake, I, I, one thing I don't want to miss talking about in our interview is the last part of the book where we see these photos of these torsion vortices.
0: Yes. the The vortexes. Those were, that was amazing
1: unbelievable so you know with with photography nowadays and adobe photoshop and all the rest of it cgi you can make anything look like anything yeah but so i was seeing these photos coming in from people and they would say i was really dizzy at the time taking this i don't know what was going on but most of the picture is correct but there'll be a swirling vortex in the middle of it Well, when I began to read about a lot of the NDEs, the NDEs would talk about going through this tunnel, this swirling vortex. Um, The description matched with what I was visually seeing in a lot of these photos that people were sharing. So 20, well, it's probably been 30 years by now. um, I ran into a photographer in in Ketchum, Idaho, where I lived and he had spread his father's ashes in the sierra mountains and as he did that he laid his dad's walking stick up against a rock spread the ashes and picked up his his camera to take a picture now this person is a professional photographer he'd taken two thousand pictures on the west coast he'd come and spread his dad's ashes and went home to develop the film so this was in the days before digital cameras. Okay. And as he's going through all of these pictures, everything's great. And he comes to this one picture where he's got the picture of the rock and the trees and the cane. This next picture, there's this swirling vortex and then the, the, this preceding, six seating photo, it's back to normal. And he thought, what the heck did I do? Did I move the camera or whatever? Tosses it in the trash can, pulls it out a day later keeps it and over the years he had just kept it people would say oh that's spiritual or no you really screwed up and it's and it was you know something you did in taking the photo (laughs) (laughs) and he's and he just didn't know so i was lucky enough to have him share that photo with me and i looked at it and it just stuck with me. It just, it just stuck in the back of my head. And 20 years had passed. And a friend of mine had told me a story about when they adopted this little girl, he infant, he was laying on the bed with the infant staring at the ceiling. And suddenly the ceiling started to swirl like a vortex. And he watched something come down through the ceiling and go into his baby. And I'm like. And he goes, I don't know, was that our soul? I don't even know what that was. It was just the weirdest thing. So those two stories stuck in my mind. Then fast forward 20 years, and now I'm seeing these vortex pictures from these orb photographers going, I've seen this before. Where did I see it? Well, that's when I got Jack Williams' photo, and that's oh. one of the first photos in there. And that's from a 35-millimeter camera. Right, I remember that one right and then you start seeing the other photos and then you add with that the near-death experiencers who describe this this vortex and this tunnel and i'm wondering are we not seeing the highway to heaven the tunnel through which our souls pass to go to the other realm i it just kind of blew my mind and i'm just like
0: wow yeah, it's I mean, it, it, it is is pretty amazing. amazing yes Well, there there is this evidence there. And it is a really powerful and profound thought to think that we survive after death. And then what comes with that? You know, I like to say when people died that were graduating, you know, I'd like to just get Mm -hmm. rid of the word dying and death and just change it to graduating because that's really what's going on. You're you learned what you learned from your experience as that person in this life, and then you're moving on to your next phase and then probably your next life to learn more things. And you leave, you leave this dimension through these vortices, through these tunnels. And perhaps we become this orb as we die. That is the non corporeal version of us as these orbs, these energy beings. I I think that that's really what's going on.
1: There are some amazing stories. um, And I think they, I can't remember if they're in my orb book or the Cracking the Grief Code because there's a mixture in both of them where one NDE – well, there's a lot of them that actually talk about becoming orbs. And one person in particular said he was with Jesus, and Jesus showed him this platter, this brilliant, luminescent, multicolored platter, and suddenly it broke into all these little pieces and he realized and then watched then he watched it all go back together and he realized that we are all those little pieces that's why they talk about all of us being one and it it's just it's amazing the stories that i've found that have put together the the succession through the both books actually and weaving it together and it's it's like a giant puzzle but i really feel that I was blessed with with these stories to show people the circle of life. It starts here, but it ends up there. And there's just so many parts to it. But we truly don't we truly don't die. We just step out of our body like we step out of a car and hopefully with our consciousness and, and our time on earth that we've learned some of the lessons we need to. And we do I've learned through near death experiencers there is a heaven and there is a hell and there's different dimensions in between. Um, And I fully believe that we reincarnate in order to experience both sides of the coin, Uh Um, both whether you've been murdered or you're the murderer, the perpetrator, the victim, the um, you're married or you're divorced or you're burned or you're, the person who causes the accident so we get we through these lifetimes we come to a place of unconditional love and non-judgment and who is the epitome of that that's jesus yes he's showing us what he wants us to be and we get the opportunity here follow some rules you know be a good loving person and You know, maybe you won't have to come back. There is a verse in Revelations that said, if I can't paraphrase it, but in essence, it says, if you do what I've asked you to do, I will make you a pillar of my temple and not send you out again. And that to me was talking about reincarnation. Yes. Right. Right? And I'm like, oh, I'm all for it. Okay. When once I was thirty and I realized that wow, I'll I'll have to have a life review and I really not sure that I want to come back, I better get my act together here. I better apologize, be forgiving, be kind, be loving, try to be the best you I could be. And I definitely fall from time to time. <laughs> but I, but I but I try to learn from my mistakes. And you know what? In everything. There's a lesson, an opportunity for learning, or there's a forgiveness opportunity. Right. And if you look at, right, if you look at life that way, it's it's a lot easier than you know. Well, inter- our and
0: well, interestingly, uh, in Buddhism, they they talk about the people that are the bodhisattvas that get to that point where they are allowed to uh, graduate to the higher dimensions, but they choose to reincarnate because they're waiting for everyone else to get there they want everyone to get there and even though they could go through that portal into the higher dimensions they mm-hmm. choose to reincarnate to help humanity get there because it's not it's not fair unless we're all there it's not right if, unless we're all there. that's just what the buddhists believe that's really interesting
1: I i kind of believe that too as much as i sometimes would like to be on the other side and go, I'm not going back again. I I need a rest here. This has been, I feel like I've lived three lifetimes. It's true. We want everybody to go. I kind of felt
0: that about you. I was like, no, she's going to come back and help us. Come on.
1: You know, I met this wonderful, this wonderful woman through my website. And uh, she's a, a hospice nurse. And she, you know, can see orbs. And she had, a an amazing near-death experience with god unbelievable so she asked me to write her book and i wrote it for her and it took me probably a year and a half because i really wanted to get to know her and she had written her story but she has add and her, her i mean i'm sorry dyslexia okay so there was just a lot i i'm dyslexic so i could understand her writing anyway I help her write this story, and every time I read it, I cry. When she gets in the presence of God and goes through the lessons he gave her, it, it just gets me right here, y- you know? And she's um, – gosh, I forgot where I was going to – I was going to segue into something, and I oh, forgot no, it's okay. what, what it was we were going to segue into.
0: But this but- – but I guess this is uh, one of the ways that we heal through these spiritually transformative experiences, right? Let, we can talk about that a little bit more. Like how, Orbs, experiencing these orbs like you talk about in your book is one way to heal because you had a grief experience personally. Other people have grieving or grief experiences and then they get this validation through the orbs and they're able to heal and then actually change their frequency and become a bigger energetically bigger more spiritual person what other ways do we heal through spiritually transformative experiences
1: well i would say the most common thing is there's there's birds and butterflies and dragonflies and our loved ones like to show up and let us know that they're okay um Copper pennies, you know, someone will see dimes everywhere, and their their family member had an affinity for collecting dimes, whatever it was. My son was a hummingbird, and I had the most amazing experiences with hummingbirds, unusual experiences. And we could never figure out why my son would would show up as a hummingbird until my daughter actually looked at a snowboard and there was a giant hummingbird on it. So obviously Chris had an affinity for that. But we, um, the spiritually transformative experiences when, first of all, when we're in grief, it's really hard to notice anything other than how awful we feel, how traumatized it was, you know, sad and, and rightly so. I mean, we have to honor that grief and how, however you go through it, we just honor it and, and get in there, and roll around and you need to cry and you need to grieve. But during that you can also put on your spiritual re- radar because our loved ones are trying to let us know they're okay. And they do that through the cell phone. The cell phone will ring and you'll pick it up. It'll be their phone number. And you'll, it'll seem like someone's on the other end, but you'll just hear crackling or noise. Um, the TV, the normal telephone, um, the radio your song that you, you um, equated your loved one with, you'll turn it on and you'll be thinking of your loved one and suddenly that song will start playing. So there's all of these different um, ways that our loved ones let us know that they're nearby. And once we begin to tune into that, we can begin to shift our perception, our grief journey. The traditional grief journey is you never get over it. Right. If your child has died. You just don't get over it. But I felt so miserable while I was grieving. I said to myself, there's got to be a better way. Why can't I feel good along with feeling miserable? Or why can't I feel better than miserable? And so I began to reach out. And there's the attitude of gratitude. When my son died, the top story in the news was Natalie Holloway, the beautiful teenager that disappeared in Aruba.
0: Right, right.
1: And as deep in grief that I was and feeling sorry for myself and the whole situation, I chose to feel gratitude that at least I knew where my child was. Natalie's mom didn't know where she was. So I tried to hang on to any little thread that I could to feel gratitude because gratitude is a different vibration than grief. And, you know, you go back and forth and there's just um, there's just so many ways to do it, but it's really wanting to do it differently, wanting to feel better, wanting to reach out and touch spirit and, and connect with your child or your father, mother, brother, whomever it was that you lost. And it's very hard for them to connect with you when you're in such heavy grief, just because it's such a low vibration. So honor your grief, get down there and cry. And then when you stop crying, pick yourself up and say, okay, I want to connect. What can I do to lift myself up a little bit?
0: And really heal from that.
1: Right. And it take. I mean, it takes a while. We know physiolo- physiology, okay. <laughs> we know physically, I can't, couldn't say that word. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> I could, but I couldn't. Um, that our brain builds neural pathways when we have a relationship with anybody. And when that relationship is broken, those neural pathways have to reconfigure themselves. And what we get is um, brain fog and memory loss and sadness and uh, inability to eat and all of these different things we feel with grief. And it takes a couple, about two years, to really kind of um, have those neural pathways work themselves out. But there's things that we can do in the meantime. Um, honoring how you feel. But also, if you're up for it, know that there's ways to really lift yourself up. You know, just an attitude of gratitude, a shift in your perception. Jo- yeah. Dr. Joe Dispenza, have you heard, do you know of him? Oh, yeah, definitely. Right. He talks about the fight or flight mechanism of 90 seconds. And in those 90 seconds, it's just automatic. But anything after 90 seconds, we are choosing to do. So when I was in grief and laying on the floor and wailing, there was a moment where I became aware of myself crying. And in that moment of awareness, I was able to realize, am I choosing to do this? So I would be fine. I'd be working on my book. And suddenly my thoughts would go to my son would go to the accident scene. Suddenly I'm feeling bad and suddenly I'm crying. So part of the healing is being aware of our thoughts. Is that making any sense?
0: Yes, definitely. And just staying in a higher frequency because then you're not wrapped up in the grief. And like you said, when you get in those lower frequencies, it blocks those signals that could be coming from the loved ones that have passed on. So right. It's, it's, That's right it's really just taking control of yourself honoring the grief like you said honoring mm-hmm. the situation of course you don't want to discount any of it right you you want to go right. through your natural grieving process but at the same time there is that natural tendency to huddle up to hide in the grief to to shelter and and cut off the outside world in a shell of grief and by doing mm-hmm. that it, it's just it disables all these things including the affirmations that could be coming from the person that died, from the other side.
1: Exactly, exactly. And I found the the more effort I made to reach up to spirit, to out to spirit, out to God, out to my child, the more encounters I had while grieving, while crying, and I was able to kind of go back and forth. It was like being in a washing machine on, you know, this... The agitate cycle. I was here, I was there, but I found the more times I connected with spirits, the more excited I got, the more I was able to raise my vibration, which in turn gave me more experiences. Mm -hmm. And so I went through grief with uh, joy and excitement alongside. They they walked hand in hand for a while, and. You know, I have to say it's been 15 years and there's moments when sometimes I just cry. I I cry in regret. I cry just that he's not here to see his son and his son has missed out on that and different things. But but then I'm right back, you know, with my life. So I don't think it ever really leaves you, but I think it's it's important to know that you can live a life of joy and happiness and smiles and remember your loved one without having to cry. Remember that remembering the good times and, and all of that too. So that's, I think that's really important.
0: Right. And then I liked how you pointed out in your book that when you do get those affirmations and when you have those STEs, it gives you that feeling that the universe is right on track, regardless Mm -hmm. of what anybody experiences or how difficult the challenges are. You, you, you know, that everything's moving in the right direction, everything, And it's Mm -hmm. going towards wherever it's supposed to go. And as spiritual people, we know that everything's made out of love. So the only extrapolation or assumption you can make from that is we're going to the most loving possible place.
1: Mm -hmm. That's very true. Um, You know, I didn't tell you what really set me on this whole quest, aside from my son dying and I was having these experiences with him, is that. The day he was born, I knew he was going to die before I did. Oh, and I carried really? that. Yes. How yes, did it I, come to
0: you? Like was it like a just a premonition, like an instant premonition?
1: It was just this knowing. And oh, you know, we know in metaphysics what you think, you know, you think about you attract. I'm like, I am not thinking about that. Right. But it was there, and it was there through his childhood and everything and when he was about um, 15 or so, he came to me and said, Mom, I know when and how I'm going to die. And I'm like, what? And I said, tell me, and he wouldn't tell me. Well, a few years later, I got him to tell me that uh, he was going to die when he was 52. And I said, "Okay, well, I've got some time. But this whole time, i have just holding my breath because I just didn't know when I was going to get that phone call. I knew it was coming. And actually, I have talked to uh, quite a few other mothers who knew that about their child that their child would die young so chris died and a few months after he died i remembered that conversation and uh, I, he died at age 25 and i saw that 52 switch itself to 25 well of course he wasn't going to tell me that was going to happen right. but the night the night he died I'm, I'm just a workaholic, so I'm always, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm always doing something. And I just thought, you know, I'm just going to get in bed early and, and take a break, which I don't do very often. And as I'm laying there, I think, oh, my God, my child is laying dead in a ditch somewhere, and here I am taking a break. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, where did that come from? St- you know, wipe that out. Well, the next morning, I get a phone call from my brother that my son was killed, and we end up going to see the accident site, and I saw the photos from the the scene, and there my son was laying in a ditch. Oh, my God. Dead. So I could oh. either go to the loony bin and, you know, be a wreck the rest of my life. No, no, no. What I did instead was, wait a minute. Where did that information come from?
0: I'm just sorry you had to deal with that as a mom, as you a know, human. It was hard. I'm sorry that you had to deal with that. I just want to say that.
1: Thank you so much. But you, out of it, I realized that his death was really a gift. It was a gift of my awakening and my my learning to have compassion for others who've lost their family members. Um, most of us don't. You know, most of my family, I mean, not my immediate family, but, you know, cousins and things, I didn't hear a word from them. Because people's lives go on and until you're really touched by that, you don't know. So you know he really gave me a, a blessing of, of really just being sensitive and compassionate to others who have, who have lost someone. I mean it's really it's a really challenging thing, but we definitely can get through it. Oh, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, I'm thankful that you've got all those communications that you talked about in your book about all the different times that Chris had contacted you in various ways. I just thought that was so cool just to give you that affirmation to let you know as much Mm -hmm. as it sucks that you don't have a cell phone to that dimension, he's there and we're all going to get there eventually.
1: Well, that's so true. And you know what? There's so many people that say, hey, my loved one contacted me after they died through the cell phone.
0: So, <laughs> maybe there uh, is a cell phone uh, without <laughs> to mention
1: <There> is <laughs> activation. so i mean so i kept my son's cell phone and in the beginning it would ring someone would be calling i'd pick it up i go hello hello i could hear some very faintly trying to talk to me and then it would be disconnected oh so i would redial the number that called me and i would hear This number is no longer in service. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So for those of you out there that have lost someone and you want to know if they're okay and they're alive, they are. Put on your spiritual radar. Open your eyes. Keep, you know, pay attention because they will try to contact you. I mean, and they want to do it because they love you and they want you to be Okay. They really do, Chris. I don't hear so much from Chris anymore. I do ask him for parking spaces, <laughs> and he he does pull through on that. All right, what a good thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, there's just so many amazing things. <laughs> and if you, and also keep a journal for those out there who have you lost someone, keep a journal of your experiences because after a while, you can go back and read them and really see. That they were unique, they were little miracles, and that your family member is really truly alive and just, you know, just on the other side.
0: Oh, yeah. And I think that we do know that. I mean, I think that intuitively we do know that. But we've just been programmed, our society has programmed us to believe something different about the post-life experience we talked about in a previous episode where judo masters – would ancient judo masters, when uh, uh, initiate students would get to the highest degree, they would do a technique to stop their heart and then they would die and have a near-death experience. And then they had a different technique to restart their heart. So when they came back in and became judo masters, they had no fear of death because they knew what was on the other side. They had just been there.
1: That is intense.
0: Tell me about it. I'm
1: not sure I would choose that, but wow, that is so interesting.
0: Well, and also we just talked with someone who, uh, is very versed in the Gnostic Christianity world, uh, Jacqueline Small, and she talked about a secret second baptism that, uh, Jesus did that was talked about, I believe in the gospel of Thomas, uh, where he would take, uh, Certain uh, disciples into a cave and do something similar, where they would die and be reborn. It's really interesting stuff.
1: Well, that 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 could explain a lot of things. Well, you know, it's listening to the near-death experiencers, the stories they come back with, and and there's a there's kind of a vein of of similarity in a lot of their stories about what goes on on the other side, and um, I just. I mean, it's just fascinating because whether they turn into orbs, whether they see friends that that were killed in Vietnam and they, they realize, oh, my gosh, they're alive, or they go to hell and realize that the people in hell, all they need to do is cry out to God. That's all they need to do is reach out to them, but they can't. Nobody can do that for them. That's something that they need to do. But hell is absolutely real. Get on YouTube and and look up the pre- preachers that have been
0: to hell. And I just got to yeah. interrupt you there. So you're yeah. saying that, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but like it's no. so powerful don't, don't, what you're saying. So you're saying that people that are in hell can get out of hell while they're in hell by crying out to God and asking God for help. And then God will respond to them, but they just don't know how in that position. Is that what you're saying?
1: That's right, and and Whoa. people are in hell because of how they think about themselves. They put themselves in hell, and really, hell is a an absence of God. Um, it's it's it is it's the opposite of of God. It's the absence of Him. So when you,
0: oh, uh, I'm sorry. It's ahead. just it's so interesting that you bring that up because we had a guest uh, where we did an episode about just near death experiences with an author M K McDaniel who wrote a book about that. And that is literally 100% what she did. She went to hell and she was there and she cried out to God in her own way. She cried out and she then left hell and went to heaven. It's so fascinating that you're saying the exact same thing.
1: I think the whole, the whole process is fascinating and the learning process, the fact that we come from heaven, we get to come down here on earth so the heavenly domain is run by God, but the earthly domain is run by the fallen angel. And everything he does in it is to distract you and trying to break your relationship with God. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. So even if you're atheist, um, actually, there have been a lot of atheist near-death experiencers that come back and realize that God is real. Yes. And that whole whole thing is real. So I I just try to tell my friends, like, you don't have to go to religion. I mean, to church, if that's where you're not comfortable with. If you were brought up with religion and it was, um, you know, just hard strangling and hard and you just don't like it. Consider just talking to God, you just, you and God, Yes. all he wants is a relationship with you. You can, when you're driving around and you're just appreciating, like I get up in the morning and I'm having blueberries. I'm like, God, that was such a fantastic idea that you made blueberries or I love these trees that you made or the flowers. I have a conversation with him all day long. doesn't mean that, um, I, I have to be labeled as religious, but He loves all of his children and he wants them all back. And that's what I've noticed in the near-death experiences when they talk about all of these orbs, the platter that Jesus showed that one person breaking into little pieces and coming back together. We're all one and we're all walking each other home. Sometimes we need to remind our neighbor where our home is and how to get there. So many of us are lost, right? And um, I just invite the listener to just consider, if you don't chat with our our father, just chat with them. Even if you don't know where to start, just say, you know, I really like this, what you made down here. Yeah,
0: open the pathways. Open the pathways.
1: Exactly. And grow that relationship however you want to do it. Go to a mountaintop can be your church. Grow that relationship Especially now with everything that's going on, we know there's a war between principalities. This is a spiritual war of the utmost urgency at this point in time on earth. Yes, this is
0: the time for all of us to be leaders, to raise our vibrations, to battle these negative frequencies that want to pull us into this hellish earth, this timeline of, of density and negativity, but we can rise above that and we mm-hmm. can, and we can manifest an earth that I guess is you could say outside of the control of the fallen angels or the fallen angel, Lucifer, whoever mm-hmm. is controlling this dimension, we can get to a point where we rise above that, but are still in the earthly plane. We can have that experience. I think that's what they talk about at the end of revelations after everything's said and done. We're in Mm -hmm. a new earth, a new world.
1: We're we're in exactly what you were describing earlier, where everybody loves each other and cares about each other. And there's no fear and darkness and pain. He's already described that that's exactly what's going to happen. So I want to make sure I'm on that train. Me too. And that I want everybody else that I know to be on that train. Come on, everybody, (sighs) let's jump on that because we know how it ends. We know how it ends. We're just in the middle of the growing pains and stuff right now. But fear, fear is the worst. Fear takes us far from, from that connection to our father because, and that's how Lucifer, you know, I used to, when people would talk about Satan or Lucifer and God, I'm like, roll my eyes like, Oh, seriously, really? But, they've proven that Jesus was real and there are so many near death experiences that talk about, I met Jesus. I've seen
0: God. I've done this. And yeah, that. Across religions. It's not just Christians.
1: Course, right. Across. Religions. I thought, I
0: think that's so profound. Atheists, new age people across religions. They all interact with Jesus. I think that's so profound. That's why I'm so attracted to Jesus myself.
1: Yeah, I mean, and just the, I, 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 I hope when I get there, he looks at me and says, "You know, well done." But oh yeah, you he's got this. No, you
0: already got that. You're there.
1: His, no, he's gonna look at me and shake his head and go seriously. Come on. Actually, he's gonna to go. <laughs> I think
0: it's gonna be like, you know what? Time to get back to work. I'll see you when you come back next time. Oh,
1: no, no, don't send me back. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go back. No. The and work is fun. not done. Uh, no oh my gosh we have to get to
0: heaven on earth we have to get to that conflict-free scenario and there's only one way to get there and that's by doing it and it's going to take the enlightened souls it's going to take the old souls coming back time and time again begrudgingly until we're there
1: you know what jake i just remembered what i forgot when i was bringing up my friend oh yeah go ahead okay because of what you just said i know she and i knew each other on the other side and I can remember being in a classroom and they said, okay, who wants to go down for this lesson? And she raised her hand and pointed at me. She's going to. I just <laughs> knew it. She my Erica, we're like twin souls. And just I just knew she raised her hand and pulled mine up too for this, for this mission down here this lifetime. And I was like, seriously and in in fact she's had the near-death experience and she regularly goes to um god what does she call it it's um it's not god school but she's regularly back out of her body up in heaven at the school and like the big cathedrals where they have all the the learning institute Uh and and she she'll she'd call me on the phone and tell me about that that night of when she was back up there and i go gosh i wish i could do it she goes you were there too you just don't remember it so i i you know there's just so many amazing things out there and god bless you for doing this podcast oh and,
0: well thank and, you virginia <laughs> yeah, i mean
1: all of these amazing things
0: well i mean unfortunately <laughs> we are kind of at the ending point yeah. i i do want to have you back. You have to come back like this. This <laughs> went by like a breeze. Uh, we have to have you back at some point to do this again. But before you go, I do want to tell people where to find you. Uh, you can be found at the orbwhisperer.com. And, of course, virginiahummel.com. I'm going to spell that out for you. It's like the state Virginia, V-I-R-G-I-N-I-A, and that's Hummel, H-U-M-M-E-L, virginiahummel.com. And she has two amazing books, Orbs and the Afterlife and Cracking the Grief Code that are available. And is there anything, Virginia, that you want to tell our audience? You know, we're over 100 countries now. Is there anything that you want to tell our audience to inspire them to a message you want to leave them with?
1: Yes. And that would be, you are the light. The light of God is in you. That light just wants to shine bright. And when you acknowledge your connection to the divine, you're letting that light shine. And that's, what's going to help raise our planet's vibration, our awareness And help take all of those beautiful souls back to heaven where they belong. So I would say just let your light shine. Let that goodness and that light
0: come out of you. Yes. Be love. Be love. Right.
1: Right. Be love and kindness. and, And it's really the ripple effect. Yes. That when you do something nice or you smile at someone or you hold their door or you compliment them and uplift them, The ripple effect is they're going to do it to the next person. That's how we can change everything.
0: Yes. And then when we get there, which it is where we're going, it's going to be an Mm -hmm. absolutely amazing place. Heaven on earth. But Virginia, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Please hold through the outro music and we'll talk a little bit more. And everyone, we'll see you next week. Don't forget to check out Blue Cobra CBD, Midnight on Earth.